und willkommen to yet another episode of Der Ausblick, where today we take a look at the FIFA Club World Cup final coming up. Bayern Munich versus Tigres of the uh, Autonomous University of Nuevo León or a word, a set of words that I exactly can't pronounce very well, despite the fact that I've got three years of high school Spanish and one semester of college Spanish under my belt. I can hold on to, I guess, enough to order at a Cuban restaurant, but other than that, nothing much else. But that's okay, because I am joined by an expert in Mexican soccer. He is a freelance writer. Uh, he is a he is a host for the podcast, The Mexican Soccer Show. You can see him in Vice, MLS, 442, The Athletic, and ESPN FC. I'm joined by Cesar Hernandez. Cesar, how are you doing today? Doing well. Really excited to talk about the Club World Cup. Uh, obviously, I'm very biased as someone who's covering Liga Mekis, you know, so, uh, you know, for those of us who cover Liga Mekis, this is obviously a very big deal uh, to see... Uh, to see one of our teams qualifying for the final of the Club World Cup, something that they've never done beforehand. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, if we're talking German soccer, you know, I, I won't be uh, mispronouncing any any team names either. But I think I, I could do Borussia Mönchengladbach. I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about, I think, pronouncing that right. I'm not sure. But, but yeah, nonetheless, uh, excited to be here and excited uh, to talk to Tigres. Yeah, that was about right. That was about as close as you can get. Yeah, well, I say about right because... Uh, like throwing the accents everywhere it gets a, it gets a little bit guttural but also feel free for the fact that I can't roll my r's so I'm terrible in that regard so we'll be fine uh for everyone at home despite whether or not you are a Bayern fan despite whether or not you are a Mexican soccer fan if you live in the United States or if you live in Canada and you love soccer you should be watching this game because this is arguably the biggest game in the history of CONCACAF. Now, to put that into perspective, right, no CONCACAF team has ever reached the final of the FIFA Club World Cup before. The best they have ever done, they have had four uh, third-place finishes, Nechaka in 2000, Monterrey in 2012 and 2019, and Pachuca in 2017, and no Canadian or American soccer team has ever won the CONCACAF Champions League, which is the system that you qualify in order to get to the Club World Cup. Now, before we talk about uh, Tigres and their results in the CONCACAF Champions League and the Club World Cup. I think it's important to address how they qualified for uh, the Champions League to begin with, because for those that do not have an in-depth knowledge of how tournaments and seasons are normally run in Central and South America, I think it's important to address it. And it's important to address the fact that Tigres got into the 2020 edition of the CONCACAF Champions League by winning a tournament in 2019. So, Cesar, only only slightly confusing. So, Cesar, could you help us understand how they got here? Yeah, it could definitely be a little confusing uh, trying to follow uh, Tigres' path to the Club World Cup final, but I'll uh, I'll try to keep this short. But uh, but the way that Liga Mekis is set up is you have two seasons per year. You have the Apertura and the Clausura. So what happened in the 2019 Clausura is that uh, Tigres beat Leon in the final, and through that they got a qualification spot into the 2020 Concacaf Champions League. So from Liga Mekis, you had the winner and the runner-up 
from the 2018 Apertura, and then you had the winner and the runner-up of the 2019 Clausura. So Tigres, uh, along with Leon, uh, they went through the through the Clausura, and American Cruz Azul went through the Apertura. So for Tigres, I mean, they're this whole journey for them um, started through the round of 16 up against uh, Alianza. This is uh, an El Salvadorian side. Uh, this is a team that they were really... They, I mean, they just were expected to get a... They were the heavy favorites in this. And although they're right now in the Club World Cup final, you know, a lot of people forget that they almost got knocked out in the round of 16 by a team from El Salvador. And were it not for a last-minute header from... Not a striker, not a midfielder, but their goalkeeper, Nahuel Guzman, like literally a last-minute header in that round of 16 series. If it were not for that, they just could have potentially been knocked out of the, the CONCAP Champions League. So so thanks to that header from Nahuel Guzman, they defeated Alianza. Uh, they didn't have too much trouble against NYC FC in the quarterfinals. Uh, they defeated Olympia and the semis. And then uh, in a pretty good game, which I would say was actually a, quite a good series, um, they defeated LAFC uh, in the CONCACAF Champions League final uh, last December. I thought LAFC actually did um, a decent job um, in that champ- championship series. But nonetheless, they got the win there. Uh, fast forward now to the Club World Cup where they got the they got the win over Olsen Hyundai. I think Diggers could have potentially played a little bit better in that game. But nonetheless, they got the win. Uh, I thought they really showed some significant improvements against Balmedas, uh in the semis. I think a lot of fans were wanting some more intensity from from Tigres um, after seeing the performance in the quarterfinals of the of the Club World Cup. And I think we saw a little bit more of that um, in the semifinal series. I think you kind of saw them as more of a cohesive unit. You saw them pushing up a little bit more. I mean, it was difficult to find you know, players I was really disappointed with in that, in that semi uh, against Palmeiras. And they probably deserved more than a, you know, than a one nothing win. I think they could have potentially had two or three goals. But either way, they got the win. And uh, yeah, now now they have a big chance to really shine uh, against uh, Bayern Munich in the final. Yeah, absolutely. I remember reading about the run-up to that game for uh, to the uh, final of the CCL. Uh, that Tigres had to play uh, LAFC, and LAFC had a really tough schedule going in. They had to play all Mexican teams. They had to play Leon, Cruz Azul, Club America, and then they reached the final. And that was, I remember watching that game. That was a fantastic game. It was very close. Um, and Tigres have absolutely had to come up against some really close ones in this competition as well. It took a while for them to score against Hyundai. Hyundai went up first, and then with Palmeiras, it only took, I believe, one goal from a man that we will get to later and we have to talk about in depth. Uh, but before we get to all of that, let's go ahead and start with the back line moving forward. The defense is has a number of names that those that are familiar with CONCACAF, those that are familiar with the Mexican national team, whether you root for them or you're a team that plays against them all the time, are aware of, uh, specifically Diego Reyes and Carlos Sacedo. Sitting at center back, they've been consistently starting over their last three games for, for Tigres, uh, and they're... Uh, Two outside backs, uh, Jesus Duenas and Luis Rodriguez, have been situated there for their last couple of games as well. Um, So I guess the biggest question, at least from a standpoint of this particular game, a lot of Bayern's play has to come through the wings, right? A lot of Bayern's play 
is dominant on the wings, right? Whether it's Gnabry, Alfonso Davies coming back from left back, um, Leroy Sané, Kingsley Coman, right? These are all relatively big names in terms of Europe, right? Europe versus the Americas are two entirely different things in terms of whether or not players are rated over highly or like underappreciated, right? Do you think that this back line, and, and that's not even including Thomas Müller and Robert Lewandowski, but do you think that this back line will be able to keep up with the what will probably be a relentless pace from this Bayern Munich attack? Yeah, as for the back line, realistically speaking, no. You know, I, I think if we're, we're if we're looking at this from a rational perspective, it's going to be incredibly difficult for Tigres' back line to really, really deal with. I mean, some of the, the players you mentioned, Davies, Coman, Sané, Navar. I mean, it's just, I it's it it could potentially turn into a very, very you know long evening for them uh, out there in this championship series. That said, uh, I'm interested to see what Tuca Ferretti, their you know, Tigres' manager, does in this game because, you know, although we've seen Duenas pushing up as left back, we've seen Shaka pushing up as a right back, I wouldn't be surprised if he were to decide to bring in another central defender uh, in Salcedo's position, push Salcedo out to left back, and then have Salcedo stay back a little bit more, and then have uh, Luis Rodriguez, also known as Shaka, having Shaka push a little bit more higher up the field on the right-hand side. That said, I mean, it, it, it's. I think that's where the weak link could lie uh, for, for Thigidis, is that Shaka, he does tend to get a little too far forward. And through that, I think that's where you're going to potentially have some opportunities there when you have Thigidis' right back push up a little too much forward, trying to create a little too much in the attack, because he does like to get it involved in the attack and with the buildup. So I think there's going to be at least a handful of opportunities there. That said, I mean, Reyes has, has had a good uh, tournament so far. Salcedo has had a good uh, tournament so far. Awel Guzman has done a decent job too. I think Salcedo, he's, he's also worth highlighting because he's, he's no stranger to taking on German op- opponents. I mean, we saw... Uh, in the 2018 uh, DFB Pokal uh, uh, final, he was with the, he started for the Eintracht Frankfurt side that defeated Bayern Munich three to one. You know, during that same year, he was a part of the Mexico starting eleven that that defeated Germany in in, in the World Cup. You know, so I don't think Salcedo is going to have much fear here. You might even see someone like Hugo Ayala who's on the bench, but he could potentially start in this game too. There's, I mean, if, if, if Duke is going to go with potentially three center backs or maybe a center back playing as a left back, if Ayala goes in there too, Ayala was also a part that started loving for Mexico that defeated, you know, uh, Germany, in the world cup, which isn't to say that obviously Germany equals Bayern Munich, obviously, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not true, but there are a handful of players uh, who were part of that German side who, who lost to Mexico, who could potentially be making appearances here uh, in this uh, in this Thursday's Club World Cup final. And maybe because of that, maybe, I don't know, maybe Salcedo might have a little bit more confidence seeing that opposition. Maybe Ayala might be feeling a little confident too. But, I mean, that's just me trying to, more than anything else, trying to hype them up. Because realistically speaking, just to kind of go back to what I was mentioning earlier, realistically speaking, all that said, all that taken into consideration, I mean, just man for man, when you're looking at all the options available, it's it could potentially be a long a long night for for Thigdes. I think they'll they'll make it surprisingly tough, but I mean, defensively, it's going to be 
it's going to be very, very challenging. I'll, I'll give the defense some credit as well. They played against a very good, young, fast Balmiris team and were able to get past them relatively well. And I'm not saying that necessarily Palmiris and Bayern are on the same level, but they've Play, they played very well against that side, and I think that they might pose a similar threat, uh, or that Bayern might pose a similar threat that Palmeiras did, especially in the way that Palmeiras tend to attack. Uh, I want to move to the midfield now. Um, it usually, uh, the last couple of games, we've seen Aquino, uh, Javier Aquino on the either left or right flank, uh, swapping that on and off with uh, Luis Quinones. And then in the midfield, in the dead center of the park, we usually see uh, Guido Pizarro and uh, Rafael Carioca in some form of either central midfield or central defensive midfield position. And occasionally we will also see uh, Francisco Meza up top as like a number 10, like a center attacking midfielder. Bayern's bread and butter for the last... 10 years, maybe even a lot more beyond it, could at least say 10, has been dominant performance through the midfield, uh, holding on to possession probably more than anything else, liking to set up in their opponent's box and just kind of keep the ball there and keep the pressure there. Um, midfield battles have really, in a lot of cases for Bayern's closest games, have been whether or not they've been able to win or lose that battle in the midfield, not necessarily finishing goals. Um, how well do you rate this Tigres team's ability to work through the middle? Is it something they do often? Is it something that they are, I, I want to say capable of doing, but is it something they excel at? Yeah, I'm interested to see you know how Tuca sets up this this midfield for Thursday's final because I mean yeah we've talked about Aquino now we've talked about Quinones whether they play on the right hand on the right wing or the left wing I think they're they're definitely gonna be the source of yeah of energy of uh, the source of uh let's just say like some sort of like speedy attacking catalyst on the flanks you'll definitely see them pushing high up and taking chances because they both have a lot of pace especially Quinones. i would keep an eye on him because he's been one of Tigres' key players um so far in this club world cup that said i'm interested to see what happens with carioca and pizarro because i think they're two very well-rounded central midfielders you know pizarro um, in fact, I think he's, he's even taken on um, Bayern Munich at some point in the recent past when he was with Sevilla, but he was a player that you know, should still be playing in Europe. Carioca is a, player, is a player who should be playing for an elite team in Europe. These are two excellent players who are going to be in the heart of Degas' midfield. Now, the thing is with, with, with this midfield is, is, is Tuca going to attempt to play what Let's call it. I mean, well, not let's call it. It, it, it. This is what it's called. Is he going to try to play what what people call Duca ball? So what Duca ball is, it's just maintaining possession. It's you know really really being patient with build up. It's slowly building things up. It's you know distributing out to the wings. Maybe they'll try something. No, they'll pass it back to Carioca Pizarro. Maybe they'll try to like you know just, you know sneak in some through balls. But more than anything else, it's a lot of conservative passes. It's a lot of slow build up. It's a lot of horizontal as opposed to vertical passes is that what Duke is going to try to do against Bayern Munich because if so Carioca and Pizarro will be crucial there and what, what's going to happen more than likely is that 
Bizarro will be a little bit more attack-minded, and Carioca will probably sit back, uh, you know, a little bit more. Now, is that risky? I think so. <laughs> you know, it, it, I think it's extremely risky for, for Duca to try to play his Duca ball against uh, a side like Bayern Munich. But then again, I can't, I don't know, I can't imagine, I can't imagine Digda's not using that style it's like it's something that's kind of uh it's synonymous with them this duka ball style of play it's, it's synonymous to see them pushing high up on the oppositions you know f- you know half of the field for them to really really be taking their time for them to have like 50 to 60 percent possession even higher sometimes most games so is he going to do that or is duka going to be a little bit more counter-attacking because if he decides to counter-attack what that probably means is that as opposed to just Garioca sitting back you might have Guido Pizarro sitting back a little bit more too to really try to, you know, halt, to really, really kind of stop, to really, really interfere with what Bayern Munich are trying to create in the midfield. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Um, I I mean, I guess either way it's risky, right? You know, because man for man, Bayern Munich are, are, are far superior to Tigres. Oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say they're, they're, they're man for man. They're definitely superior to Tigres. And if they try to play Thuka ball, I don't know. If they try to play Thuka ball, like it, they they might get in a completely you know demolished. But at the same time, like if they try to play a counterattacking style, I don't know if that's gonna suit them. But maybe that's more of a practical answer. But either way, nonetheless, Carioca and Pizarro, they're two crucial parts right there. If they sit, if they're gonna try to counterattack, you might have both those players sit further back. If you're if they're gonna try to play their usual style of play, you're gonna see someone like Pizarro push a little bit higher and try to link up with. Uh, well, eventually we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about someone like Gignac, uh, who's obviously the focal point in the attack uh, for, for Tigres. Now we're going to move to the final part of the team, the attack. And you were mentioning, you were saying that uh, Tigres have really been probably the most dominant team in Liga MX over the last decade. Um and this is probably one of the biggest reasons why right here, if anyone here doesn't follow Mexican soccer, but knows Tigres, you know, Andre Pierre Gignac, and that's pretty much the only person that, you know, 208 appearances, 126 goals. He's become Tigres's all time leading goal scorer off the back of pretty much moving because his contract expired at Marseille. And now he's, moved he moved in 2015 and he's become probably the best striker in the mexican league right now um you were just mentioning right now uh the best way that they could that your opinion the possibly the best way for this team to get goals is mostly through counter-attacking um i bring this up because gignac is 35 years old is that something that they do currently is it something they do well and do you think it's something that Gignac uh is capable of doing in terms of beating people for pace being able to run up the field and finish on counters yeah uh you know Gignac doesn't have uh the pace he once had you know so I don't I don't I don't think he would be the I don't think counterattacking would be his uh uh, you know the best option for him uh, in this game. I think uh, obviously Tukabal is a little bit better suited for him. You know, having you know crosses going out, you know, from the wings. You know, having someone feed him the ball from the midfield. I don't, I don't think he exactly has a pace to really thrive in uh, uh, in counterattacks. But I mean, but that said, uh, nonetheless, I think 
we should at least see at least a couple moments of magic from from Gignac in this game. You know, he's been such a crucial player for them for for quite some time now. I think a lot of people kind of assumed that when he showed up to to Liga Mekis that he was, you know, essentially go on vacation. They thought he was going to take a nice paycheck. He was just, you know, relax, get a few goals every now and then, you know, hang out in this very, very, very nice part of Latin America. You know, this very, like, modern, very rich, very, you know, you know, very, very nice part of, uh, of Monterrey. But now he's, he's, he's definitely hit the ground running and he's still sprinting <laughs> in his mid-30s. He's been... I mean, he's absolutely been winning everybody over. He's been winning titles. He's, I mean, he's, I mean, along with Duca, he's one of the main reasons why Tigres have become, you know, one of the more, the, I'm going to say one of the more, but the most powerful Liga Mekis team of the last decade, you know? And I think that when you, when I think of Gignac, I think of someone who, who can read the game very well. He's an excellent leader. He has a lot of aggression. He's great in the air. You know, his his strength is actually, I think, probably what stands out the most, too, because he is capable of taking incredibly accurate and powerful shots from distance. He's surprisingly also agile in the air and also surprisingly quick, not saying like uh, sprint wise, but just uh, I guess more so of just like his movement in the air is like surprisingly good as well for a guy of, of his size, too. So obviously, you got to keep an eye on him because he is going to be the focal point, you know, it, and he, even if needed, he he will track back to win the ball too. So my question now for Thigidis is, you know, are they gonna if they're gonna play a counterattacking style, is he gonna be the lone striker and maybe there's a center attacking midfielder behind him, maybe a second striker, or maybe if Duca continues to try to play his Duca ball style play, maybe he'll we'll see a traditional 4-4-2 setup and then we'll have another number nine like him, Carlos Gonzalez play alongside him. And then Degas just kind of try a traditional approach, which which is what they've done recently, which is just, you know, slowly take their time, build up, you know, hit the ball out to the wings, try to hit some crosses in, try to see if Gignac and, uh, you know, Carlos Gonzalez can get something off set pieces, off corners, off, you know, off headers. So maybe we'll be seeing that. But nonetheless, I think, I think Gignac, I mean, this is, I mean, this is, this is his big opportunity. He's done so much for Thigdis in, in, in recent years. And this is a Thigdis team, which has really, really been trying to do something outside of, of Liga Mekis. And I mean, he could be the guy to really lead them. You know, this, this could be the opportunity right here. All right. I think this is uh, all coming to just really one last point, And that would be final score. Uh, I know it's, probably a lot tougher of a game than Tigres have ever had to play uh I would say in the last five years really um and that's total respect to LAFC total respect to teams like Club America and uh, Guadalajara and Monterrey but I think it's pretty fair to say that this is the biggest game that they've had to face and it's the biggest game again like I said off the top that CONCACAF has ever had in their history what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think uh, I think the Ignis fans might say that uh, any game up against uh, the crosstown rivals uh, Rayados, uh, you know, might might be a might be a bigger game. But nonetheless, obviously, this is a historic game for for Tigres on the line. I think you know one thing that I keep saying about Tigres, uh, you know, whether it be this game or when they entered the Club World Cup, is that it feels like a 
this is a, a now or never kind of moment for them because, you know, this is a team that's undoubtedly, I would say, the most talented team in Liga Mekis, the most talented team in, in North America. And I think you can make the argument that they're the most talented team in the Western Hemisphere. Um, that said, this is also a team that's aging. You know, this is a team that I would say, whether it be their manager, whether it be a number of their key players, are either at their peak or they're just slightly past their peak. So we don't know how much longer Gignac is be playing at this level. We don't know how much longer Nawal Guzman and Net is going to continue making crucial saves. And keep an eye on Nawal Guzman too, because sometimes he can take a little, he can take one too many chances uh, <laughs> when it comes to his flashy saves. So keep an eye on him because he might be doing some risky stuff. But but we don't know about you know Tuka, Tuka the manager who is the most right now he's the most like currently within Liga Mekis manager is the most well respected he's the most experienced manager currently out there in Liga Mekis but people have I feel like they've recognized that he's become a little more predictable in recent years it feels like he's he's lacking the creativity that he he once had so it seems like if the Igatas don't do this now there may not be I don't know another chance for them like this for years decades who knows so uh, it, it seems like this has been a culmination of them working extremely hard for for a decade for them you know really really building a, a character and identity under Tuca Tuca who has been in charge for 10 plus years and this is his third stint with the team believe it or not but Tuca who's really really built an identity character team they brought in the right players they've been willing to spend the cash on the right players they've been really to bring in a figure like Gignac who was really i know just uh, he was a ch- he was a cherry on top of this cake this cherry on top of this <laughs> this dominant league Mikey's cake and now they have the opportunity to 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 win something which would be extremely i don't know it would be historic it would be incredible it would be i don't know it, there's there's a thing in league Mikey's where people always say that oh Chivas and America and and Pumas and Cruz Azul those are the Equipo Grandes. Those are the big teams. And the reason why they're big is for a number of factors. But, you know, whether it be due to popularity, whether it be due to the number of titles they have. And a lot of those teams look at teams like Tigres and Monterrey, who have undoubtedly have more talent now. They've obviously had more success in recent years. And they look at, even though Tigres have been the most dominant team in the last decade, they look at teams like Tigres and Monterrey and say, like, no, you're an equipo chico. You're a small team. And that's kind of an... That's kind of something that has always been thrown at them. But now, if it, if if Tigres, if they can get a win against Bayern Munich, that there's no way people could call them an equipo chico. That would be there's no way they could do. They they'd finally be a big team in league. They'd finally deserve the respect that they've wanted for so long. So there's so much on the line here. It's and all that said, I guess this is really a roundabout way of saying, I think, I mean. Tigres are going to have a good showing. I think they're going to make this surprisingly difficult. And I think they're going to have... I think they'll, they'll probably be proud of the performance they had, but I could see this being uh, a narrow a narrow loss for them. And I think it's going to be a 2-1 to one win uh, for Bayern Munich. So after all that, I'm <laughs> saying that Bayern Munich are still going to get the win. But I, know, I, I think I think there's still a chance there for Tigres. I think there's still an opportunity. And uh, I think there's reason to believe that they'll, they'll make things tough. But I mean, in the end, if, if I had to make a bet, I, I would say that uh, Bayern Munich would still win this. That's a good prediction. That's about what I was thinking, especially considering um, Gignac's prowess up top. 
I don't know. I have a I have a feeling that Bayern come into this game uh, off of a win, but still kind of jarred after this very weird travel situation where they were held over in Berlin for about seven or eight hours before they were able to leave and fly to Qatar before the game. Yeah. Yeah, it was this ridiculous thing where they weren't allowed to like leave the tarmac. They didn't get clearance out of uh, out of the airport in Berlin, um, but they got there eventually. They won their game against Al Ali two uh, nil pretty easily. Uh, this game, I think, I think it'll be similarly close. I don't know uh, if. I have a colleague that likes to give 3-1 predictions all the time. I don't know if it'll necessarily be a 3-1, but I wouldn't be terribly shocked by it. But, um, yeah, I think it I think it all depends on uh, whether or not, uh, as you mentioned, Tuka Ball will be able to work against Bayern or whether or not they have to change their style and play something different and unexpected. But, nevertheless, it'll be an important game. It'll be a fantastic game, and uh, we're looking forward to watching it. So that is going to wrap this episode up. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Cesar for coming on. You can follow him on Twitter at Cesar H Football, F-U-T-B-O-L. You can follow me on Twitter at Jefferson Fenner. And be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. And until next time, where we will give a full recap of this game when it ends, we will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.